Good morning, everybody. Um, if you haven't met me before, my name's Chris, and it is a delight to be here in person. I'm still so appreciative of the difference that it makes to be here together rather than being on the other end of a screen. Uh, so if you've been uh, coming over the last few weeks, you'll know that we're working our way through Jonah, uh, and we're now at chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible, great, uh, please open it with me at Jonah. He's one of the minor prophets towards the end of the Old Testament, uh, and we're starting at uh, chapter 1, verse 17, and going to the end of chapter 2. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought me my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. So this really is quite a remarkable book. It's very well known. Uh, everybody knows the story of Jonah and the whale. Um, and it's got a bit of everything. Now, I want to know from you, during the whole COVID times, have you watched a box set, DVD box set, or gone to Netflix and watched a whole mini-series? Hands up if you have, if that's been a part of your COVID experience. I think pretty much everybody has, in some way or form. Now, what are the recipes for a, a good Netflix series? Well, there's multiple plot lines weaving through. There's a cliffhanger. There's plot twists. And there's a finale at the end of the series. And I'd like to suggest that Jonah is just like that. The book of Jonah has all of those things. Um, so we've seen in the past couple of weeks, episode one, Jonah flees from his mission. The finale is coming, the final episode. Jonah fulfills his mission. In episode one, we see the sailors acknowledge God in the depths of a huge storm. 
In the finale, we see the Ninevites repent and change their ways. So there's all kinds of different things going on, different groups of people all finding and acknowledging God in some way. But in parallel to all of that, we see Jonah and his story, uh, where he's going, what his relationship to God is, and what he's learning. And this chapter, Jonah is center stage. All the other actors are off stage for the moment. Jonah is the only one in focus. Uh, And we see no drama and no action, really. It's Jonah in in this side, this fish, for three days and three nights by himself. And he has time to reflect. And then he comes up with this prayer that I just read. Now, Jonah is also a really great example of biblical symmetry. So we see three different sections in the book of Jonah. Uh, There's the beginning, uh, where it sets the scene. Jonah gets his mission. We see the drama and the action of the storm. Uh, There's the end part, where the mission comes to fulfillment. Jonah preaches to the Ninevites, and they actually repent and turn. And then there's the middle. Now, in a great mini-series or DVD box set, it's the end which is the finale. That's where you get the biggest ratings, most people tune in. In biblical symmetry, it's the middle, which is the most important part. So the bit that I've just read is really the whole center and the finale and the climax of the book. A bit different from a mini-series. The other thing that we see is that there are three confessions from Jonah running through the book. Now, I don't mean confessions as in getting down on your knees and saying sorry for the things you've done wrong and getting some forgiveness. Here, confessions means a public acknowledgement of God, uh, some statement that you make to, to affirm what you believe and who God is. And there are three of them running through the book, one in the first section, one in the middle, and one at the end. So I'll just uh, read those to you. Um, So if you've got a Bible open, turn back to chapter 1, verse 9. Jonah says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. So he's saying something about himself and his relationship to God. In chapter 4, verse 2, Jonah comes out with this. You are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And then the climax of the whole book, from what we just read, chapter 2, verse 9, salvation comes from the Lord. So you see Jonah learning something about God through all of this. Jonah is a prophet. He was uh, responsible for, for prophesying to Jeroboam, about uh, how Israel would expand its borders against the Arameans. Um, So he was someone of standing, and yet here we see him learning about how God is and progressing in his relationship as he makes these three confessions. Now, what I've said about uh, the way biblical symmetry works, because this, this middle one is the most important, salvation comes from the Lord, we see that that is really what this book is all about. So, sorry, Netflix, this one might not make it to the big screen because it's not the storm, it's not the 
the dramatic scenes in, in Nineveh, it's Jonah by himself quietly coming to the realization that salvation comes from the Lord. That's the whole point of this book. So Jonah's time inside this fish has given him the space to really change his mindset and come to this realization that that salvation comes from the Lord. Now, as Matt uh, Williams observed last week, if you were here, um, it becomes clear to Jonah that actually God is in control. At the beginning of the story, it really seems like Jonah wants to be in control. God gives him a mission, and what's the first thing he does? He runs away. He takes action. He decides that his way is better than God's way, uh, and he knows best. He knows that this is a bad mission, and he's going to flee from it. But by the time Jonah has been chucked off the boat and has been saved by drowning from this great fish, he has the time and space to realize that actually it's God who is in control. Uh, so notice what he says in, the, in verse 3. You hurled me into the depths. Not the sailors. The sailors threw him off the boat, sure, but it was God who brought this to pass. God was the one who hurled Jonah into the deep. Uh, Jonah says, all your waves and breakers swept over me. It's not just the sea and chaos and something that's happening to Jonah, part of the natural world. It's God who is doing this. It's God's waves, God's sea, uh, to which he has been submitted. So you can imagine that there's all kinds of different ways that this story could have panned out from the time when Jonah was thrown overboard. Um, Netflix might end up rewriting the story. They do that, don't they? If, if you've seen Noah, uh, that film, lots of that was, was really way beyond what the Bible says. So I can imagine that if this ever gets to the big screen, Netflix will do quite a makeover on it. Um, you can imagine that uh, God might have been utterly fed up with Jonah and as soon as he ran away, just left him to go and choose some other prophet. You can imagine that when Jonah was thrown off the boat, God could have just left him to drown and again, chosen someone else to go to the Ninevites and preach. But no, God pursues Jonah. And more than that, uh, this, this part in the middle of the book where Jonah changes his view becomes the very center of the story. So it's clear that it's really important how God is changing Jonah's mind and his heart. That is the most important thing here. It's great that the Ninevites do repent and turn back to God, and we'll see that in coming weeks. Uh, but the most important thing is what God what does with this one person to change his mind, to change the way he thinks about God. And that's true for us too. He wants to work with each one of us, one by one, to make this same transformation. So, how does this then relate to us? What do we take away from all of this? Well, it all comes from this one verse. If you remember nothing uh, from this talk this morning, apart from this, 
Remember this one verse, and perhaps memorize the verse as well. It's a great memory verse. Uh, Jonah 2, verse 9, salvation comes from the Lord. It's easy, right? If there's any verse that's pretty easy to learn, that's a good one. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, salvation comes from the Lord. So what do we learn from that? Well, first of all, there is such a thing as salvation, and we need it. So it took a huge fish and a potential drowning to show Jonah that he needed saving. What will it take for you? What would it take for you to realize that you need saving? Let's hope it won't take all that drama for you to get to that point. Secondly, God is in control and can save all of us one by one. So as Matt Williams said last week, uh, Jonah is is an incredible parallel to Jesus. Uh, He was in the fish for three days and three nights. That should be automatically making us think, oh yeah, Jesus. Uh, He had this period after he was crucified, before he came back. Uh, And it's all about salvation, and Jesus is all about salvation. Uh, But we see that Although God saved Jonah this one time, Jesus enables all of us to be saved. What Jesus did once and for all is enough for all of us, one at a time, to be saved. And the other, and I think probably the most important thing that we can learn from this, and probably the hardest thing to learn from this, is that it comes from God and not from us. So salvation comes from the Lord, from nowhere else, not from the RNLI, not from anything else that might save you. Salvation comes from the Lord. It's not something we can do for ourselves. We can't take great swimming lessons and hope that we'll always be able to save ourselves, although that will work if you fall into the sea. The point is, salvation comes from the Lord. It involves God being at the center and not us. That was the thing that Jonah had to do while he was in the fish. He realized that he didn't fall into the sea. God put him there. It was God that did all of this, and then God brought him back out again. Uh, So to, to accept that, we have to put God right at the center and not ourselves, I don't know about you, but I have times when I start thinking about, well, who am I? And what have I achieved? And and how could I achieve more? And should I be achieving more? And, And just what am I doing with my life? All of that is me thinking about what I think of myself, what others think of me. It's me at the center. What I need to be doing is saying, God at the center. How can I free myself of of thinking of other people's expectations of me and and what I'm achieving and put God back at the center? Uh, Now, I've been reading a very short book. It's probably the shortest book I've ever read over the last few weeks. It's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller. Um, Even if you're a really slow reader, this is a quick read, and it's great. It's all about uh, freeing yourself from putting yourself at the center of everything 
uh, and trying to get to the point where what God thinks of you is the only thing that matters. Um, So, as we'll see in in the coming weeks, uh, we need to keep coming back to this place, even if right now that, that strikes a little bell and you think, oh, that's such a relief that I don't have to be at the center anymore. I guarantee that even by the end of the day, you'll be starting to think of yourself at the center again. Um, And in the coming weeks, when we look at the rest of Jonah, we'll see that happen frighteningly quickly for Jonah as well. He, He goes and preaches to the Ninevites, and then immediately he sits down in the desert, and it's all about him and his his situation again, and he gets really angry with God because things don't pan out the way that Jonah wanted them to. So even for Jonah, with this great realization and all the things that God put in place to get him to that point, within days, he's lost the plot again. And the same thing is true for us. Um, And I guarantee that even myself, by the end of today, I'll probably also be thinking about myself more than I should be. Um, There's a great quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, which says, I shouldn't be thinking more or less of myself. I should be thinking of myself less. It's a a simple mindset, really, um, thinking of myself less, which means, by definition, we're thinking of God and others more. So that's my challenge for you today. Uh, Can you make that same mind shift that Jonah did and maybe without the whale. Thank you.